1: more than once actually do
2: i
3: have to say yes you do in the car before my kids pta meeting
0: really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky
3: i never win and tell well there you
0: have it you can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. play for free right now are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary Void you prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details
2: paranormal dimensions is a regular feature on mondays on the paranormal uk radio network Step to midnight, late December, 1988. Strange lights in the sky, glowing spears among the trees. The woods lit up like fire, electricity we yeah.
0: This is Johnny Cobb, and you're listening to the Paranormal UK Radio Network, the UK's biggest paranormal radio network, and this is Paranormal Dimensions with David Young. You've also just listened to a tune
2: called Remission, composed, produced, and performed by myself and Jerry McCoy. I sing all lead vocals and play all keyboards. Jerry McCoy plays all guitars and bass on our original songs. We invite you to visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Cobb and McCoy. That's Facebook.com forward slash Cobb and McCoy. Thank you so very much. We sincerely hope you enjoy this show. Hello and welcome to the show. Thank you for that intro, Johnny. As you can no doubt tell, this is going to be another Rendlesham-themed show. The guest today is going to be James Warrow, who's got a book out that he's written with John Burroughs. John Burroughs was one of the witnesses on the first night of the Rendlesham Forest UFO incident back in 1980. But before we go into that, um, I'd just like to say thank you for the continuing messages, emails, etc. As always, if anyone would like to get in touch with me, my email address is davidyoung2qn at uk. That's davidyoung2qn at uk. OK, right, let's get straight into the show and introduce... James Warrow. Hello, James. Welcome to the show. Ah, welcome, David. So, what, you're welcoming me to my show? Okay. <laughs> <No>, Hang <you. laughs> on. in my home, i in yours. Oh, right. Okay. Well, we'll do, we'll do it that way then. Mm. <laughs> okay. Anyway, it's nice to have you on, James. Thank you very much for agreeing to come on and talking about your new book, which is called... Oh, right. my The we- the name
1: of my book is Weaponisation of an Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, the Rendlesham Forest UAP incident 40 years later.
2: Right. I thought I'd let you say that because it's a bit of a mouthful. I thought you might get your mouth around it better than I could. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> uh, that's Anyway, yeah, and uh, I was very grateful for Johnny Cobb and Jerry McCoy. He actually sent me the MP3 for the music uh, um, Oh, it's, a, it's like a music video, but you sent me the MP3, which I played at the beginning of the show. Oh, wow. um, were you involved in that, or no, not at so, all. No, um, but the, the
1: the gentleman did send a, a a copy of it to me, you know, and I thought, well, oh, you know, um, it's it's fine, it's it's good, you know. some of it actually, some of it in there did remind me a little bit of Pete Floyd, actually, some of the uh, stuff in there. So uh, yeah, well,
2: how did he
1: get involved cause... in it? Did he just do it off his own back, or um, I uh, what the music side of things? So. Yeah oh I don't know I've only recently become friends with the, the gentleman
2: yeah uh, I just wonder if he uh, I mean I don't know because he, I've sort of spoken to him off. he's been on my friends list for some time mm. I just kind of wondered how he became involved maybe, maybe he just decided to write a tune called Bendelstrom because it's the 40th anniversary or well, it's just we've just passed the 40th anniversary
1: well, yeah, mate, music's a wonderful thing, isn't it, at the end of the day, you know, it's a, yeah. it's a form of creation, and um it's just another medium of uh, someone, you know, maybe writing a paint, uh, doing a painting, you know, uh, creating music, uh, writing a poem, it's just another form of, uh, um, of, you know, uh, a description of your interests.
2: It is, yeah. I mean, as you well know, because you're a musician yourself. <laughs> Correct. You play the guitar and everything, I thought, let everyone know out, no out there, you're quite an accomplished guitarist. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. <laughs> <So if> you <laughs> very shy mu- one at that too,
1: believe <laughs> it <or>
0: not.
2: <laughs> so if you want to send me any creepy music, I can play on the show. Please do so. <laughs> oh, I have much. I have much. <laughs> Good. Anyway, uh, James, so before we get into talking about Rendlesham and your book, how did you actually get involved in the whole ufology field, uh, you know, your interests? Uh, do you have your own experiences, no doubt? Yes. I mean my my it stems from when
1: uh my mum and dad had their experience actually. Um when it was in nineteen seventy five and it was in in Barking in London and uh and it this this incident, cut long story short, it involved a big ball of light that um that appeared outside their 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 window and um over near well they could see it from their window and it was over by the power station you near, know, the old power station in Barking at the time. And my dad went to the front door to go downstairs to tell his friends who lived below them what was, what they could see. All he remembers is going to the door, he doesn't remember anything after that. At the same time, my mum remembers the light splitting into three and then boom, then shooting off.
2: Yeah.
1: And obviously this is what intrigued me, you know, when it came down uh, uh, to the Trim incident itself through the hawk description. Um, but, yeah, so from the age of, like, six onwards, I, my father used to bring home um, the Unexplained magazine and Faint magazine as well. Oh, I remember that, yeah. yeah my mum had a keen interest in that as well. And not only that, um, I was quite intrigued to, to hear Ronnie Dugdale's background as well, that that he's he has uh, very similar background to my family in the sense that uh we have a kind of history of uh, strange happenings, um, you know, uh, strange events, um, kind of telling of things to come this, that and the other and, and mm. the clairvoyant type of um things. So I had that mixture in my family as well. So I had a I had a good kind of um upbringing within this this subject i was constantly going to the library embarking library used to be my uh, favorite home as a ginger i used to get bullied at school and uh, the oh. library was my safe house right. so but it, in a in a in a funny way in an ironic way maybe um it done me a good thing because i learned much
2: yeah sure yeah, it's terrible, isn't it? Just, to, just for being ginger, you get bored. Oh, I don't know. It just... doesn't bother me anymore. <laughs> no, no, oh, no, It's crazy. But that's yeah. how stupid things are, though, isn't it? Back but, then, um... times were different,
1: and um, hopefully um, times will continue to change and become much better for us all in the future. Yeah. Oh, that, have you seen many UFOs yourself? Have I seen? I've seen strange things in the sky. Um, that uh, one of them actually uh, appeared between me and my friend Matthew, uh, and we—I I, was—we was talking about the subject. Uh, went out the back, looked up in the sky, and I was pointing out different things. Oh, we can see a satellite if we look close enough. And then, oh look, there's a satellite, and watch this satellite move across the sky. Uh, moved across the sky, then uh, light satellites kind of do. You expect them to blink mm. on, blink, blink out. Um, but this one seemed to come to a halt. And um, he said, "usual, sure that's not a star." I said, "Well, no, it's not. You you saw it move, and it's look, it stopped. Yeah. Then there was a, it, it disappeared. It, it just went out. And then all of a sudden, there was a. It was almost like an electrical flash or something just cut across the sky. And we both jumped. <laughs> And uh, we looked at each other, and I said, "Well, that was weird, wasn't it?" And yeah, uh, it it shook me actually. It really did at the time. Oh, yeah, these things happen.
2: Yeah, sure. I mean, I've seen that myself, uh, things that look like stars and uh, they sort of, they move and they stop and move and stop. So, you know, in fact, that was one of my earliest recollections. I was actually sitting on my doorstep when I used to live in London, uh, back mm. in the late 50s, this is, you know, before satellites and things, <laughs> believe as mm. long ago as that. Yeah, um, yeah. I was actually watching a star moving and stopping. Being a kid, I just thought, oh, it's a moving star. It was only later on, and I thought, well, what the hell was that? You know, it's um, it's one of those things that's always stuck with me. And it was only sort of like the mid '60s when, I, as I sort of become to realise what stars were and everything, I thought, well, what was that that was moving back then? You know, and stopping. Mm. So, you something I've always thought about. And then, um, I've mentioned this a few times on the show, but I then I know, saw a large oval orange object going across the sky in 1960. I think it was '66 or it might be '67, mm. but um. That, that was uh, something that I thought, well, there's really something out there. This was going across the night sky, you know. Yes. And yes. then I've heard about these orange objects quite often, you know, since then. Mm. There's even a Ooh. book I've got um, about them. But anyway, enough about me. <laughs> we'll talk about your book now and how you got involved in the Rendlesham, um, you, you you did a lot of studies in the middle, I understand?
1: I did on the early day, yeah, back in the early 90s, 2000s, um, and then things changed for me in a personal life, and I spent, uh, as I said, I spent being t- a year, few years being married, uh, spent another ten years doing a job whereby I was only probably in my own house for about six hours, seven hours a day, mm. and uh, I worked myself to a pulp. Basically, I had a little bit of a, well, a bit of a breakdown, a bit of a nervous breakdown, and uh, and, uh, and I had to get better. So through getting better, I was uh, my the health team who was looking after me at the time suggested I go back to doing something I was interested in, a hobby, and uh, which mm. was subject we are talking about right now, and. Uh, The first thing I I reached out to do was something local, something you know that I could I could investigate possibly or be you know or go and experience the uh, the place where this happened you know maybe visit it one day and that all those ideas come come to my head and uh, then lo and behold there was a uh, a conference from with Richard Dolan. John Burroughs and Larry Warren that I attended. Oh, was there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it was, um, and it, that was part of my, that was a little treat for me as part of my kind of, um, get better mode. Mm. And uh, I listened to John Burroughs and uh, listened to obviously, uh, Richard and, and Larry, but it was John Burroughs, his presentation actually struck me. Um, it really, uh, yeah, it really did. It kind of, how do I say, it, 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 it was something that I thought, wow, now that sound... That, it kind of made sense to me, but it didn't, if you know yeah, what I mean. it yeah. was a, it's, it's a funny thing, but it makes even more sense to me now, actually, um, uh, in, 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 in that respect.
2: Yeah, that, that was the time when he was at... He, this was before he got his compensation payout, wasn't it? And he'd just been gathering all the inf- um, evidence and information together, and he was putting it out there for, um, as to what it was. Yeah, <laughs> I believe. Sorry, I believe
1: so. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. I am in the dates. I apologise, but you know, as I said, I went through <clears throat> things in the early years and that, and some some yeah. of the some of those kind of dates. Uh, sometimes I can get a bit mixed up. For instance, I was at the Colonel Hall gig as well, and lo and behold, I cannot remember the year I was there, but it was that year, it was uh, it, it was, just,
2: it the, it, the, was it the 2015 one, the one he, when he came to Woodbridge, when he was quite a stink about it? Um.
1: Well, unfortunately it seemed to be, it, well, there it was a couple uh, one, of, it, one of them was the the one whereby, unfortunately um, he mentioned a few things that we won't go into right now, and it caused a big storm yeah. because I asked one question and it kind of created a, a storm that kind of led for about two, three years on. It did it go on, and it, and it grew yeah. from that.
2: Yeah, I and it agree. Didn't yeah,
1: to me, and that became a distract for me from that point onwards. So I decided to go out on my own and just concentrate and try not to get as distracted, and just put my head down and start researching the technology that was involved at the
2: time and whether or not any of this could have played a part in the events that took place. Yeah, yeah, no, i understand not that. I mean, you know, I, I actually arranged a. a, a conference for uh, Colonel Holt in 2019, just at the end of that. Uh, and things have changed because he returned to Woodbridge and the, the whole uh, atmosphere was completely different to what it was in 2015 when he came. Um, you know, because all that sort of bad blood had all been sort of realised and, uh, you know, uh, and I think people know what side of the fence they're on now. You know they, they I think they realized about what happened was it was basically telling the truth on that on that aspect yeah that's and, um, again it, we,
1: we, we, uh, again um uh, it's nothing to do with your expression of fences but um uh, it's fences that have been that have been arranged in in a way yeah. no, yeah, you right. stop this uh, from the pieces from being put together as far as I can tell.
2: Yeah, it was quite
1: a bit of a lot of I understand I mean now I do understand the reasons behind that from a national security level. Hmm. And there are things that I will never say and there are things that you know I'll always keep to myself. But yeah, sure. think, you know, that that you know I mean the stuff obviously isn't classified that I'm talking about. It's just stuff that sometimes you it's best just not to say anything, you know, because yeah. of you know
2: why 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 worry people when there's no need to worry? <laughs> exactly yeah. I mean, I know because I, I I signed the official secret Act as well for the job that I was doing. Because mm. um, I well, I can not actually talk about it. I was working on the AC-130s, uh, you know, the gunships uh, for mm. the US Air Force. So, but I mean, that project's long gone now. So, <laughs> but um, mm. but that no, was I all did, secret. I built one of those when I was younger.
1: Funny enough, you know, an Airfix model. Which, Airfix,
2: did you? Right. Yeah, I used to hang that from my ceiling. I was really proud. <laughs> Oh, well, I worked on every one. There was only 20 of them, actually, for the uh, old tv um, system. You know, the uh, laser system on it. Oh,
3: very which,
2: nice. Uh, we were taking out all the... Uh, um, like, in the Middle East and all that, all through the Gulf Wars and uh, yeah. taking out... Taliban and God knows what else, and Saddam Hussein. And at the time, I thought I was all doing the right thing. Now I I realized that uh, those wars were illegal, but I was all really proud of it at the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've, yeah. I've, I've changed my mind considerably since then. But well, sort of, we've, but
1: yeah, we we have opinions and, and we move on, don't we? You know, and, um, you know, and and history is supposed to be there to teach us all a lesson, and uh, unless we listen to history, we will never learn the lessons.
2: No, that's right. Anyway, James, I've been ploughing through your book um, today. Um, I did a little bit yesterday. Um, I was very impressed with Wynne Keach's um, uh, contribution to it. Now, Wynne Keach is a friend of both of ours, and I think he's quite well known out there. Um, But I I was actually blown away with his uh, information on the technical details of a lot of, well, a lot of stuff, actually. Uh, apart from the rest of the book, is, uh, is, there's a lot of technical stuff in it. But uh, when we got to your part, um, um, how, did, how did that develop? Were you, you talking with John Burroughs, and how did you come to write the book with John, or, or put the book together? I know well, there's contributions I've... from people like Ronnie Dugdale, who's you know, he's been on the show in the past as well. Mm-hmm. Well, originally it was going to be just a
1: little short um, short story, just from... John's, uh, perspective and on the, on the information that I've collated over the past sort of six years related mm. to his, his incident experience, however you
2: want to, want to, want to phrase it, you know, Um it's from not Oh, sorry, on, so, no, no off you. No, <laughs> now, I was going to say. I suppose what we ought to do is just go through the. Just have people out there that don't know too much about what happened at Rendlesham. I suppose we should piece together a little bit about what we do know happened, like the official story, and then we can talk about a little bit about what you've found out since. Right, so I mean, well, I'll start it off on on the night of uh, the 25th into the 26th of December 1980, there were lights seen in the forest. Um, perhaps you'd like to take over from there because this is your show, not mine.
1: <laughs> oh, bless you, bless you. Yeah, yeah. You see, uh, I mean, my book pretty much concentrates on uh, my technology uh, aspects of other things. Pretty much comes from the research I. Collate from night three, not night one, uh, and night three, you can kind of trace back the information that I've collated straight back to night one in if, uh, suggestively, um, from the point of view whereby, uh, uh let's say, uh, there was, um, a thing called Project Press, um, it was Pacific Range Electromagnetic Systems Studies, which was set up in 1959 and uh, sort of uh, by 1978 um, let's say uh, there were studies in many things uh, phased array, over the and raised ours, uh, electronic tubes, long-range ballistic missile anti-satellite systems um, kind of nuclear and non-nuclear hyper- hyper-velocity impact systems uh, for destruction of re-entry vehicles, uh, lasers and charged particle beams as directed energy weapons mm. And it, I mean that kind of stuff is uh is unclassified, you know. And obviously, I wouldn't be uh, mentioning it if it was. But it, it's there to be researched. Yeah. Um. And I'm just obviously just bringing it forward to show you that back at that time there was many things that may have played a part in this. Yeah. And there's also I also realised that um, there was uh, within some of the research I've done there are mentions of. Some kind of interference within these regions of certain regions of Europe where they've been trying to kind of test some of these you know some of these some of these items in in a training environment um, and there are also things that they call uh, pen aids which are penetration aids, and some of these may have actually uh, been able to let I say uh, kind of come down using certain methods. Uh, and then go away using certain methods. They were basically used to penetrate in a in a in a conflict uh, an enemy's position. Hmm. Um, and these were things that they were actually experimenting on. And it was only when I started looking at this i it, it, I, it, it occurred to me that maybe it was something like this that maybe it had actually come through the trees, and maybe a light phenomena was very interested in what had come down considering the kinds of electro, uh, the electronic countermeasures that would have been in the area or in within that vicinity at the time, tracking mm. what may have actually come down that was highly, highly secretive at the time. Sure,
2: yeah. Because, I mean, it was John Burroughs who was on guard duty that night with um, Ed Kapanaseg, was it? I think it was... Uh, uh, yeah, the third night, yeah. On the, on the first
1: night. Oh, the first night, yeah, sorry, yeah.
2: Yeah, the first night, and then Jim Peniston was called, because he was the basically the uh, staff sergeant in, in charge. And basically, to cut a long story short, John and Jim and Ed Kabanisak went out into the woods um, to see what these lights were, because they thought it might have been a downed aircraft. Mm-hmm. Um, so, now, they came upon a craft of some sort, apparently. Mm. Now, according to Jim Peniston's story, he touched the craft. Now, John doesn't remember too much about a lot of that, does he? He, re- he remembers seeing lights. And, and the story is that um, John was actually knocked unconscious by this by a flash or, or, a, or a beam or something. That's correct. Um, now, he doesn't remember too much about that, does he? Well, unfortunately, you, um,
1: uh, if you're in an unconscious state or if you're in, in some kind <laughs> of uh, yeah, an ethosized state, um, it's like trying to extract information from someone that's, say, been put under for a, uh, a general anesthetic, you know, for an operation. If, yeah. if you try to ask someone what happened while you was under anesthetic, you'd say, well, all I remember is... yeah." Going asleep and waking up. I know it's kind of up. a
2: silly, silly statement. What I made, really? Well, not at all. <laughs> but,
1: not at all. No, no, not at all. Because people need to kind of understand this side of the phenomena. You know, yeah. whereby extracting information about the actual event itself is a very, very difficult thing to do. Yeah, and it's but, all to do with self-referentiality and uh, other human traits uh, that may well influence experience. Um, that is something that I'm willing to go into uh, yeah. from now till till whenever. You
2: know? Yeah. But I mean, obviously, he, he recognises that he was knocked unconscious by something. Something knocked him out, or, if you yeah, want to call he... it, knocked him out, or, or whatever it did to him. And we can only go by really what, um, Jim and Ed said, uh, um, but, uh, they picked him up apparently later, didn't they? And, um, yeah, yeah, and, 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 and obviously, they, they were still seeing these lights in the forest, which they were following around, and they went across Cable Green, um, et cetera, on that night. Correct. Mm. Right yeah and then they kind of well I think they just went back to the base in the end because they were called back and they couldn't do much else apart from follow these lights but I mean
1: we could well, go what back. happened was what happened was um john actually uh, John
2: and um Jim
1: actually went out further uh yeah. went out went out you know they they went out further and they reached a, a a part whereby they could actually from this from the original point you couldn't see you know the lighthouse but when they moved further. Uh, they, 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 and, and out into this field, they, they could. Yeah. Um, and they're looking around trying to find out where this light's gone. Something's caught someone's eye. Like, oh, is that, is that over there? Flight, I yes. I, oh, no, that's not it. But when, when they turned around or when they looked in another part of the sky, then they saw it again. Yes. So it, they, so it was definitely something there. And it definitely was nothing to do with, you know, the, the light itself was nothing to do now whether or not there was any radar in the area either attached to the top of the lighthouse that could have interfered with this other light that they witnessed mm. that is a complete in total possibility in yeah. the line of research that I have uh, I have carried out.
2: Yeah, that lighthouse theory, I think, came from the fact that at one point, I don't know if it was John actually, w- was looking in that direction, saw the lighthouse, and Jim apparently, so he sorry, says, he says, that's the lighthouse, John. But, of course, after that, they saw the lights elsewhere. So uh, that's kind of where I think that lighthouse oh, that's really came right. from. And as John, well, yeah, that's right. And as John has
1: explained uh, on other shows himself as well, um, when they actually looked in another part of the sky, they actually saw... Um, what they thought was the actual object that they'd saw earlier, you see. And yeah. um, this is where I, I was looking at radar, and this is why I started looking at how small radars were at the time. And it it seemed it seemed apparent and uh, that something like that was might may have been involved. if there was this this kind of electrical phenomena of some kind salt flowing around in the sky, then the microwaves within rate certain radars would interact with that because we know that does happen in a lab and therefore back Mm. in 1980 they may not have been aware of that on a larger scale but we do know that we can manipulate these kind of things uh using certain techniques you know what I'm saying yeah absolutely know that now we didn't know that then obviously and it was national security back then so
2: yeah Well, somebody would have known it, but not the likes of you and me.
1: Exactly. Absolutely. And now we have the internet whereby I don't have to go to the library as much. I can order books online. I can get them sent to me, you know, and and it makes my progress a lot easier this way
2: yeah sure and I was saying in the job that I was in I know very much about I say I don't know very much what I mean is I know a lot of what was going on in the field of lasers and stuff like that because a lot of it was very top secret and um, it's amazing what was going on mm. but um, mm-hmm. yeah I think the um, I, I think the next night was a bit more in question, wasn't it? Because uh, I think there was even a question: was it the second night, or was it actually the second occurrence, on one of the other nights? Uh, which was uh, it's one you don't hear too much about, isn't it?
1: No. no, that's correct. And it would be something that I would like someone out there maybe to uh, collate um, the witnesses that were there that night. Maybe put something to get together themselves. Maybe maybe this book may help them. Uh, in In a quest to be able to do that uh by looking at things that they may not have been aware of you know by looking in other directions and yeah just just you know i i I'm here to help and uh not to hinder.
2: Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's the thing. I think um, the the likes of what we are trying. I mean, myself and you, and we're trying to get everything together and get people together. That's why I've tried to get everyone I can on this show to give mm. their different point of views. I actually had Nick uh, Redfern on. Um, I don't know if you heard that show, just for Christmas. Yes. And yeah, okay, um, I, I, so. I kind of couldn't see. I, I mean, I, 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 Nick's great. I, I, I like him. He's, he's brilliant. But I couldn't get my head around <laughs> it being a military operation you know um he could well be right but because I, I, you know I'm I'm a good friend of uh, Chuck uh, Colonel Holt and I, because he's told I've spoken to him personally he's been in my home I couldn't get my head around the fact that he cause, I mean he's told me himself it definitely wasn't a military operation whether he's covering something up and wouldn't even tell me, I don't know. But well, yeah, well, we do know for a fact
1: from Colonel Holt um, that the, the the Russians did lose a satellite at that time, you know, and we we had a classified plane making an emergency landing uh, about then. But the classified plane was ours. Yeah, yeah. So something may well have dropped from the bottom of that plane and landed in the forest. That's yeah,
2: there was something going. I know there's probably all sorts of stuff going on that we don't know about. But, um... Well, yeah. Well, one other thing that I need to highlight as well, um, there was a lot to
1: talk about holograms and and this type of thing. And this mustn't get mixed up with the kind of uh, the quantum nature of. Other things that that may be brought up in the future. Um, the hologram thing, from my research at the time, was pretty much to do with lidar and how lidar works and how pulse pulses can create a picture of something and mm. then make could, you know and basically see through forests, see the enemy through forests. You mm. can see it quite now easily on YouTube or yeah. any, any military program you want to see. But obviously, because they progress from there, which you, and it's the progression. Obviously, we can't talk about.
2: You know, yeah, absolutely. Pretty, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, I mean, we also had that other story about the SAS doing a, a, a practical joke on 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 the base, and a lot we were laughing about. We said, well, if that had been the case, there'd have been a lot of deaths going on because uh, you couldn't place that sort of joke on a nuclear base, you know? Well, no, that's yeah, that was completely ridiculous.
1: And that would have been like that, the UK that, that in. made
2: in the USA, wouldn't it? And
1: there would been there yeah, been a it's... lot of deaths involved. Well, there's a lot of people out there with, um, a lot of ill intentions, unfortunately, and some, some people are out there just to make a no. name for themselves, you and know. in the waters as well. Well, and there's, there's people, some people out there seem to want to confuse the subject. For Absolutely. whatever reason they want to do that, it's up to them, but mm. I'm not confused, and I refuse to be Confused. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now there's a
2: T-shirt. Oh yeah. <laughs> confused. Yeah. I'll get those printed up. Yes. <laughs> a good up of the show, that I reckon. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but so obviously, yeah, yeah, there was a lot of confusion thrown into it, sort of from the early days, wasn't it? Right, right, from the start. Um, when Colonel Holt made that, um, when he wrote the memo, that was never meant to be made public anyway, um, and it was kind of a um, I suppose it was an exercise that had to be contained within the, the air force, so, you know, like it has been noted, but mm. it was but it kind of escaped without his knowledge, didn't it? It did, it did. Um,
1: you know, again, and that, I mean, that's been gone over uh, quite quite a lot. Yeah. you know, uh, in the past and many things have been suggested about that you know um but again that's 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 something that i may have looked at in the early days but my uh research moved on from that yeah and uh my i say it went from from pretty much from researching that all the way up to uh, DA, dna nanotechnology and material systems engineering so uh there is much to uh be discussed over the next couple of years i'm quite sure
2: yeah I mean, a lot was made of the date that was on that memo, um, and Chuck says basically it was a mistake, you know, um, because he was trying to lump all all three episodes into one episode kind of thing, wasn't it? And I suppose that was kind of like the middle date, and I suppose that was sort of plucked out of the. Well, I I suppose it's not not a good term to say plucked out of the air, but just no, yeah. I suppose at the time it's one of them things where you just
1: it may have just been literally just one of the things whereby you just want to get it done, yeah, pull it away. Get it done as we would do. Put oh,
2: put the twine you know, Because it's and, causing, yeah. you
1: know, if you, if you're in charge of that many you know, people in charge of base, lot, you, you want it to stop. You know, yeah. you don't want it to continually going on. People, because there's there's important things that need to be concentrated on places yeah. like that. And any distraction uh, such as that can, can can potentially put any kind of decision or any kind of you know any uh, potentially put put things in peril.
2: Yeah, you know. Of course you never realized it would become a, a big issue you know, in over in on, you know the following years
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean there' was other issues apparently going on with the bases you know that, that, are, that are, again that are, that are personal to those involved and I'm sure again they've they've spoken about that as well um yeah. but again that's um that's, they, are, they are issues that only people that were there at the time can can you know can can uh, have, say uh, contemplate deal with and um, discuss amongst themselves you know yeah, yeah? sure.
2: But hey, let's go on to uh, John Burroughs and, and Jim and Jim They they both suffered quite ill effects over the years. I mean, I, I think mentally and physically. John was awarded uh, and, and no, got an award for his the damage apparently done to his heart. Um, was that was probably done from when he got knocked out? Well, we can't prove that, but obviously John must have had enough evidence to get that um, payout. Um, you do go into that a little. Well, I think John does go go into that in a book. Mm. Um, and as we were saying, I think it was in the com- the conference that you and I attended. I think that was 2014. Am I correct? I think it was probably about then. Mm-hmm. Probably. probably, Yeah, I think then. it was. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, yeah, I mean um, John was suffering from a major, you know, heart condition. You yes. Know, and, uh, and it was it was it literally was leading to malfunction and complete, you know, sh- yeah. Up there, you know, and uh, it was actually Dr. Green and others, they actually made a huge, huge contribution and actually saved his life. So we must also remember that as well, you know.
2: Yeah, but I mean, something must have happened um, obviously to him, and obviously the, the US Air Force had agreed that something happened to him.
1: Correct. But. It was actually Dr. Kit Green actually did go on the record and actually mention, you know, uh, it was, um, you know, what causes injuries, uh, you know, and how can it be true that his medical records were classified? And, and he's gone on the record, Dr. Green, mm. um, and said that he's it's about a thousand pages of John's records that are classified to this day, yeah, and uh, legally classified as well, you know. So that's a big thing. These are legally classified documents. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But, um, I mean that's weird, really. I mean hasn't Johnny even got access to them himself? Well, no, obviously not no, because he has, you know. Because the- I mean they're, they're his medical records.
1: <laughs> but they are, yeah. But he's, <laughs> you'll have to speak to his lawyers, but you cannot get hold of them. Yeah,
2: that's a strange one. That. Because mm. I mean, we're, we're all we're all entitled to access to our own medical records, aren't we? So that I don't quite get my head around. But um...
1: well, I think it may.
2: My personal opinion
1: is that um, it, if if it comes out into the open and gets into the wrong hands, it may have implications for national security. And um, that's as much as I'm going to say.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's all we can say, isn't it? You we know, right. have to accept that, that's right. Okay, um, right, now where do we go from there? Okay, um, <laughs> so your studies into... Uh, I mean Can you explain a bit about your studies then? Uh, how did you... I mean, what is your background that, that gave you...
1: Well, I, I kind of... Uh, I used to have uh, weird experiences when I was younger. I used to kind of uh, predict things uh, or, or say to me mum and me father, you know... Uh, such and such as passed away and they're like no look they're they're alive they're breathing look they're on telly and all right no that's a, interesting a, and so a little while later uh, five six days later sometimes they would pass away um and it was almost as if um they were all ready for me but they weren't and it was weird it mm. was strange for me as when i was younger uh, my mum thought I was probably a bit nuts, and uh and so did I. So I just just didn't bother telling anyone anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kept it to myself, you know. Um, and and yeah, high strangeness basically has been with my family for for for, for, for a long time. And uh, and if I do go on, um, let me know because sometimes I I do. Uh, I do go on, and I forget the original question.
2: No, no, it's interesting because, uh, as I say, I wanted I, I to sort of get to where what what made you decide to do what you were going to do. Um, was it because of your background? Um, and what do you call what you call yourself psychic? I suppose is what I'm kind of saying. And uh, <laughs> uh, clairvoyant.
1: Well, I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say yes or no. I would say a uh, clairvoyance is probably prevalent in most people, but some mm, people more to a certain
2: than extent. Others. You're well, right. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, most definitely.
1: Um and how and why and how. Mm, I think Very little in me I must say. <laughs> well, I think it's probably more again, looking at the uh the, the research I've done, it's, it's, I think it's more to do with DNA and uh how DNA is probably the uh true sort of time traveller that we're actually looking for mm. um rather than a, rather than an actual machine um you see. Uh because DNA, uh we've we've found out, you know, it contains lots of uh Arts that we thought were junk that are actually store memory. They actually, it's a memory storage yeah. uh, molecule, you know, and uh, they can store. <laughs> you can store lots of information within this, and all that information is us, and that information gets passed through time, literally, doesn't it? Mm, absolutely. When you think about it, yeah, kinda. No, so yeah, that's the path that I'm going at. And the idea was that um, what would happen if you was remote viewing. Um, some target somewhere or you was having a dream whereby you was floating somewhere and you was looking down on something, in real time, what would that person that you were looking at or this scene that you was uh, imaging, could anyone at that scene, if you, was, you thought you was imaging that in real time, actually see what was above them, see any kind of energy, see any kind of anything there that may, you know, you know may then cause them to go, oh, is that UFO? Hmm. In in, in in that sort of sense, um, and then I thought, oh wonder wonder because it reminded me of something that I thought of when I was even younger, which was Jamie and the magic torch. Obviously, mm-hmm. I'm ginger and uh, my name is Jamie. So and I was uh, and it was around the time and I was getting bullied. So I decided to come, I came up with an idea whereby my magic torch would shine a light and it would it find ghosts and it would find creepy things, you know, um, in in the forest and stuff like that. You'd shine yeah. a light. This special torch, it would pick up ghosts, basically. You could pick up ghosts. And nobody told it, it turns out, something like that is he, relevant to infrared and things like that. Yeah. Um, so all these things I've sort of utilised and come up, and, and I've been thinking for lots and lots and lots. And so I started going into the electrical aspects of us, the electrical aspects of uh, the potential behind the phenomena itself. And it led me down a very, very interesting path, considering how much we... Uh, uh, know about plasma and how much um, we have been experimenting with different kinds of, you know, energy uh, uh, devices um, uh, and things. You know, some work, obviously, uh, to a certain extent, uh, but it's not something that we could call um, sustainable energy. You know, we're looking for something that's sustainable, that doesn't, you know, that's not detrimental to anything. Mm. Um and that is the, the, the key in, in, in much of much of this. And which is why I think personally a lot of it is probably you know, um uh, some of its stuff is classified and some of it is is in the open i mean quantum biology is in the open now you know it's been discussed openly that our dna um gives us ultra weak photons for instance you know and it's quite possible that within these ultra weak photons there is information and it's that light information that's happening within our bodies and if you if you incorporate that into kind of systems material systems engineering you can imagine what might happen in the next 30 40 years time if you combine both aspects you, you know and then we probably will be talking kind of star trek you know
2: yeah I and mean, i think that's a big fear of a lot of people we keep hearing about all this 5g and um, mrna and all this sort of stuff and i think people are getting a bit <laughs> some people are getting a bit worried about it aren't they
1: well the only you know the only people we've got to
2: fear are our enemies uh,
1: uh and unfortunately and every man, woman, and child will tell you this, most of them are just fictitious. Our enemies are very few. What t- it shows you right now who our real enemies can be. Nature can be our real enemy when it comes down to it. We can throw, we can fight, we can do whatever we want, make everyone's lives a misery if we want, you know. Mm. At the end of the day, when, when something like this happens uh, and nature bites back, it just gives it's kind of it's a horrible thing to say and i am i've lost friends and so have you i'm quite sure and family over over these past year and a half and if it's a lesson to us all it's that we we need to talk we need to get on we need to stop being stupid and start growing up and start treating each other as 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 each other
2: yeah yeah strangely i've Made lots of friends this year, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I suppose I've lost one or two in some ways, but I've made lots of others. It's, it's, it's been amazing, amazing this year. Well, it's, it's almost like there is a
1: change going on somewhere. you Yeah. Know, yeah. And, I mean, to, to to I think for us uh, to to move forward in in, in much of this uh, at local level, at a personal level, and I'm very interested in in the very small and how a very small makes a, can make a big difference. Mm. Um. You know, uh, and and I think that 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 is within nature itself. And uh, again, um, I think the answer to a lot of our problems lies within nature, uh, yeah. within uh, uh, including within ourselves, of course. Yeah. As, as we are part, as we are, we are all part of nature.
2: Yeah. Of I'll tell you what fascinated me in the book, um, which start, really started making me think about, yeah, what that was. That was really strange. The Fatima incident, which was mentioned on page, um, page what was it? Page 99, in actual fact, it says in October the 17th, 1917, an estimated 70,000 people gathered together at Fatima. It's a small town in Lisbon, Port- Portugal, to watch a phenomenon which some described as the miracle of the sun. And people saw numerous things from a luminous ball of light. Now, what you were talking about plasma and everything uh, earlier on, yeah. do you think that could have been something like that? Uh, I do, yes, I do believe it could have been
1: it, something like this. You see, these, this some of this some of this phenomena, or part part of this phenomena, does seem to be historical in its nature. You know, from from Fatima, you know, down to well, uh, yeah, I mean, we hear about things in, Francis, the Bible, in
2: the Bible, Assis. don't we? And everything like yeah, there are lots of well, I, occurrences. Well, well, I found it quite intriguing
1: that Sir Francis of Assisi was a patron saint of. Um, uh, dementia and neurological diseases, mm. uh, and he had an experience himself. And there seems to be some kind of correlation between such when interacting with some of this UFO phenomena within certain parameters of being in the in parameters within this, you know, this, uh, this phenomena. You know, it's kind of a mixed frequency, uh, ball of phenomena that they're still trying to understand, you know.
2: Yeah so you, do you so do, in your mind you do not think that was a UFO you think that was something, a, a natural phenomena I mean I know you don't know for sure but uh, well, <laughs> UFO or
1: UAP uh, an unidentified aerial phenomena is is the term I like to use now because it separates the nuts and bolts from me personally and I hope it does for other people as well that are trying to look at this from a, a more of a uh, how do I say, a less nuts and bolts thing and more of um, hmm Uh, more something that could quite possibly be um, cellular based quite possibly at a very very obviously uh, low level but I mean, you know, it was only realised a few years ago that I actually found uh, microbial bacteria in the atmosphere that survives up there, I and mean, I don't know, I didn't realise it was there. Yeah, and it survives, it thrives, and you know, so there's many, many kind of uh, theories and possibilities and stuff. But what I am trying to do, and uh, what I've tried to learn to do, is try to move forward, but make sure that everything that I've got can be backed up by scholarly articles and by um, academic research. Not only yeah, I I I, I, I had no qualifications in the sense of some of these these guys out here, but I think I. I'm quite proud to say now. Tap myself on the back, and I don't normally do that. What um, <laughs> no, is
2: um, Is it? I think I. I wish I. I wish I'd studied more. <laughs> Cause, uh, well, don't we all, mate? I mean, I, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you. Um, I mean, I used to do probably the same sort of thing as you. I used to collect scrapbooks and things in my over the years, and then I lost them all. Um, it's only sort of in my later years now that I wish I'd done a lot more in my earlier years to, you know, I, I, I sort of. I, I really sort of respect a lot of these people that have been doing it right from the young you know, from their young years, and mm. and I really sort of, you know, regret that I didn't do a lot more with my younger years. As I say, I can't say any more than that, can you? <laughs>
1: well, no, no, and I'm sure you've had your years doing many other good things. Yeah. Sir, that, well, you, that. You wouldn't, you would never forget. So, yeah, we all do. There's all good and bad, and everything isn't there. It's just getting that balance, knowing that both exist. it's just making sure that we don't go too far either, either way. Yes, that's right.
2: Yeah, I think it's just in my later years here, so one or two doors are open, strangely, uh, without my expecting it, and uh, that's where I've ended up now. <laughs> but, uh, I'll tell you uh, what, what interests me when you, when you were talking about a UFO you saw when you were younger, and you were talking about UFOs with your friend, and you went outside looking up at the sky, and the UFO mm-hmm. appeared. Now, that seemed to suggest something that I've heard a lot before that if you talk about UFOs or are thinking about them, they appear what's your thoughts on that
1: mm-hmm. you see for some it seems to uh, do that um, but again it, again I, I mean again it, this seems to be it seems to be something to do with location it seems to be something to do with certain individuals, and uh, it seems something to do with uh, certain times of the evening, you know, you know, like from your 3 a.m.s onwards and stuff like that around these sorts of times, yeah. your high strangeness, it, where it seems to kind of peak, you know. Yeah. Um, in the, these locations, and so, so there's, I mean, there's lots of research into why this happens, and, I mean, for me personally, I think uh it has more to do with, again, DNA and some kind of coherent vibration between. This uh, ultra-low frequency DNA and this ultra-low frequency um, phenomena, you see the, freak, the the phenomena seems to become active when it's within you know when there are things around that could give it energy you know like a uh, Um, microwave uh, uh, radar or something small that's giving out microwaves in the region, you know, or something small that's giving out other kinds of frequencies and stuff, you know, mixed frequencies that could potentially um, uh, you know, uh, maybe you know, have this stuff appear mm. like, imagine foo fighters flying these foo fighters flying through the air i personally think that the reason a lot of these were appearing was because of the types of radars that were being used at the time and we were seeing things that we wouldn't have seen had we not pushed that radar through the air like i was telling you about mm. that, that you know, I had with the uh, the torch and shining the torch for a forest and all of a sudden picking something up that you wouldn't normally see yeah. So, and I, th- I think the, I think the, it may have, they may have missed the, our uh, electronic count measures may actually energise this in some regions and I mean that may have even been energising some of this bacteria in the sky that we, we've only recently realised that we, we have, you know. So, we mm, mm, many sort of theories, many thoughts and uh, as I said I've, there's a few year, years left in me yet to uh, move all this forward. Hopefully. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. No, it's just it's. I've heard the thing. I've just I've heard that a few times. Where it seems like some people seem to be capable of summoning UFOs. It seems, you know. Um, yes, yes. I, yes I've I, to, as you know on the show, I've spoken to quite a few people, and there, and there do seem to be certain people that do seem to um, make them appear.
1: Well, I'm I'm a very um, I'm very one-sided in that I'm aware that there are you know there are these indigenous tribes whereby you have your your shaman type, You know you be uh, have an agent, an elder that that seems to have lots of knowledge passed down to them, and they seem to be the ones that can achieve some some kind of altered state of mind whereby they have communication with something, whereas. There are other aspects that I think are just complete. Personally, I think phony and uh, you do. Um, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and it's only when you start looking at the science behind things, and you start understanding this a lot more. Um, which is, which for me, has been an absolute, absolute godsend. In that, um, at least, I am kind of. Know where to look, what to look for, and also know where not to go mm-hmm. and where not to take my uh, camera equipment or any of my kind of uh, recording equipment if I do want to uh, investigate this phenomena. You understand?
2: Yeah, kind of, yeah. <laughs> I do know what you
1: well, mean. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Not too close to anywhere where there's electronic countermeasures, basically. Yeah, yeah, of course.
2: Yeah. Hmm. I, I tell you what, James, uh, what about the hypnotism aspect of it all? Would you like to talk a bit about that?
1: Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. It's, it's quite important actually, um in, in, in the sense that, with well, the research that I seem to show, it seems to be that the, the, and Stuart off his research also backs this up as well. When you're, uh, what these, some of these period people are experiencing, these, uh, this missing time period, it's a missing time period and it's consistent with that that we get from like a general anesthetic whereby we mm-hmm. go to sleep and we wake up. Now, to get the information from that missing point in time, it's it creates a thing called uh, I believe it's it's thing called self-referentiality, whereby the mind itself is trying to extract information, but it can't find anything from that because it's blank, it's a void. So it's it's actually getting things from before that moment and after that moment and trying to combine the two to create an image to give an
2: answer. I see. Yeah.
1: Uh, and I mean, in a deeper level, this I, I do believe this goes down to the way photons, weak photons interact, and you know how we see images and blah. But that's that's for a lot further down the line, and I'll try and keep it all very layman right now, best I can. Um, you know, and uh, yeah, it's also leading to to, to other kinds of um, theories that I am going to be probably talking about. Let me have a look, see what I can talk about and what I'm. <laughs> I'm saving for uh, for for hour for, for for
2: show.
1: Well, so just uh, there's a couple of things I need to confirm first before I start talking about it, and I don't really want to talk about something that I haven't confirmed first. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, it's basically the art of survival again, it comes down to finding it in nature and that, you know, and and that kinds of thing. But yeah, hypnotism. Yeah, I I have I have a very very uh, very very hard time now grasping how that would give us a picture of what people are experiencing during that missing time period.
2: Right. I mean, we do hear that um, it seems to be that a lot of um, things were put into people's minds under hypnotism, and this is why we've got such a, a conflict of stories.
1: Uh, the, the kinds of debriefs that i researched, um, obviously I can't. The kinds of debriefs that were were taken out were were harsh, were very harsh there. We know the kinds of debriefs that were were carried out, essentially uh, only when we look at um, the kinds of things we would do to extract information from potential enemies, or enemies at the time. Yeah. Now... Um, their techniques and the law and everything like that, that's out of my hands. You have to speak to the lawyers about all that and, you know, and, and everything about that. I don't really want to say anything that will detriment any, any, anything that may happen in the future, you know. Um so, where do I go from now?
2: Yeah, I think that's kind of where the whole of the RFI is really. Where do we go from here? <laughs> because yeah, yeah. Well, I, I like to. Uh, I
1: like to. I mean, the way I'm trying to move things on is the sense that yes, there is definitely a phenomena. Definitely a phenomena, and it is also quite possible that something of ours did actually come down in the forest. Uh, possibly a penetration aid. Uh, possibly in the see there was debris from a Russian satellite. Um, you know, uh, there is that 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 sticks with me a lot in my research, um, especially considering the electromagnetic uh, phenomena that they were they're explaining in some of the DARPA paperwork uh, that, I, that I was going through. Um, so uh, there is definitely a phenomena, and that's what I would like to move forward now. I, I can I can I can talk about the revolution Forest for years onwards but I would like to now start talking about the actual phenomena this UAP phenomena that mm. that, that is obviously apparent it exists and it's something that it's, it's a very interesting very very interesting subject um, if because, well it is for me, because, as I say, I've seen the light with it, almost, you know, so, uh, it's, it's, it seems to tick all the boxes. Yeah, yeah. For me personally, as to what this phenomena could well be.
2: Yeah. Well I know, uh, I've got to say, last, was it last year when John Barrows was on the Jimmy Church show? Uh, he seemed to be suggesting that he thinks it could be sort of agreeing with Jim Pedestone that it could have been us from the future. Which I found rather um weird at the time, because John had been saying kind of the opposite for for a number of years well
1: i couldn't i couldn't I can't speak to John um and I don't know if that is exactly what he said obviously you have to give me the quote and and everything yeah, from to um, show itself because um, well,
2: it surprised me it, it kind of took me back a bit um <laughs> at the time.
1: It, my my research uh, suggests that um, DNA is a true time traveller here
2: Yeah, yeah, mm. I mean, you, you could be right um, I mean, John's listening to this, history, so forgive me if I'm wrong But I, I'm sure he, he did actually say that um, I'll have to try and dig out the recording I've probably got a little recording here somewhere I'll try and dig it out So let's just make sure I've got it right OK, I found that recording This was on Jimmy Church's Fade to Black show uh, probably about a year or so ago i did ask jim if it was right to play it
3: jim penniston and the time travel aspect of this has always kind of gotten lost in in the smoke and the mist is this uh, is this the time where we go back and revisit uh jim's testimony and 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 bring jim back and start talking about this time travel aspect what i can say about penniston is his hypnosis in 96 affected a lot of what he feels is possible and what's going on. And only the audience can go back, look at his testimony over the years, look at his book and everything else and make their own decision. But what I am saying is what I feel is there is an energy and it's something that could very well be from the future based on my hypnosis and some other research that maybe can come back and forth and pop in. And, what he even said at one point, which hasn't been talked about a long time, was they were back looking, which is what in my hypnosis said the same thing. And there were some really strange things the parallel between both of our hypnosis is that mine was in '88 and his was in '94 or '95. That really opened my eyes up when I saw the transcript from his after mine. And from what I understand, you never saw mine, you know, at that point. That was my next, Yeah, it. that was my next question. Um, he didn't know about my hypnosis. And my hypnosis had been shut, it had been completely um kept quiet. In other words, I signed an exclusive agreement with Brubecker that it could be released without my permission and it never came out. It's never been other than Linda has used little clips of it that are now on YouTube that um that are have come out um, in her presentations that she's done over the years, and one of the things that's pretty moving is if you see it, if it's still up there, is when the guy says, "Look at the life form, or what is, you know, what what is the blue light?" And it comes back; it's the life form. Man, oh this man! Was in this was a nineteen ninety. This was a nineteen ninety-eight, Jimmy. Way before all this stuff has been floating around and going on.
2: There we go, that was John Burrows on Jimmy Church's Fate to Back show from, I don't know, it was probably about a year ago. I suppose, really, we kind of covered everything you can actually say, didn't you, really? Um... And I think um, all I can suggest is you should go out and buy the book, and I'm going to say it now, The Weaponisation of an Un- Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, uh, the Remnisham Forest UAP incident 40 years later, by John F. Burroughs and James Warrow. Yeah, I managed to say it. How about that? Anyway, James, it's been great talking to
1: you on the show. Um, oh, bless. It's been a pleasure. It's been an absolute pleasure, and uh, I look forward to trying to... Be a little bit more relaxed next time. It's early days. No, yeah, no, it's in, been, in it's been good get...
2: having you on. Um, obviously. It's been um, fun. now, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, no doubt they can. Can they email you or or, or get in touch with me to contact you or whatever? or they can well, find what? you. On, they can find you on Facebook anyway, can't they?
1: They can find me on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I. I'm very much got my head in so many books right now, um, I, I've literally, <laughs> I've got this thing in front of me called, a uh, Consciousness Manifesto, Physical Origins of Consciousness oh, through wow. Evolution and Revolution. So, uh, and it's all connected to the kind of DNA aspects. Who wrote that? That sounds interesting. Oh, this is a gentleman called, uh, Jim, uh, Jim, <laughs> excuse me if I get his name wrong, but I do apologise. Oh, it's <laughs> uh, he, Jim Belcher. B- Jim B- bilshire Belshaw. Oh, yeah. PhD. Jim yeah. Right. Okay. So yeah, Making interesting stuff. I've. But I've, uh, yeah, bless everyone. If they do want to contact me, please um, send a quick message on to um, type my name in. Send a message, and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. If it's delayed. Don't worry, Um, I will get back to you because the last thing I want to do and the last thing I'll ever try and do is let people down and that's uh, something I never...
2: Yeah. Okay, Doug? Well, if anyone's desperate to get hold of you and they can't get hold of you, just contact me and I'll I'll put you in touch with James. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. That's it is this right. way, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I I,
1: I'm, I unfortunately I click buttons so quickly I don't even I don't even take note of my own uh, account <laughs> names or passwords
2: or anything like that really. So uh... I, know, I know the
1: feeling. <laughs> yeah. Doug. Anyway, James.
2: Hey, well, I'll see you at the next conference whenever we can get out and go go to any. So. Uh...
1: Yeah, yeah, well, uh, yeah, well, hopefully, well, I think I might be, uh, probably tenting up somewhere in a forest somewhere
2: near you, so. <laughs> oh, well, right, okay, well, you probably don't know that I've moved. I don't live near Rendlesham Forest anymore. Ah, where have you moved to? I, I, I live on Canby Island, nearer to you now. Ah, oh, wow. So wow. I'm actually transmission, I actually transmit from Canby Island now, not, not, um, where I used to live. Ah, oh, um, wow, Yeah, I moved just before Christmas, so, uh, Oh, understood. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, you enjoy your new,
1: your new home, sir? Yeah. Bless, bless your new house.
2: Well, you never know. I'll pro- I mean, I'll probably still be going up to Renner's occasionally. You never know. I might bump into you. And certainly if, um, something happens, uh, I shall be there anyway. Hopefully if there's another conference, if we can get Colonel Holt or, or John wants to come back or if we can get Jim over or something like that. I'm
1: sure something will happen. Yeah, yeah. You know, they say sometimes it's surprising how close we
2: are, considering the distance it may seem. That's absolutely right. <laughs> anyway, James, been lovely talking to you and thank you very much. You, um, hopefully you'll come back again when you've got some new things to present to us. Oh, it's been a pleasure. You wait. I've got, some, <laughs> I've got some really interesting things to talk about. Great. Okay, right. Well, <laughs> that's, a, that's the invitation for later, later in the year, then. Yeah, please. Thank you. Thank <laughs> right, you mate. so much, though. You take, take care, care yeah? of yourself, Cheers. Thank you. you Good too. night. Cheers. Bye-bye. Good night. You've been listening to Paranormal Dimensions on the Paranormal UK Radio Network. I'm David Young. hope you'll join us again next week. Paranormal Dimensions
1: is as bright and powerful as our celestial star, the sun. And although it's expending thousands of pounds of energy every minute of the day, have no fear.
2: There's plenty left. Dimensions is a regular feature on Mondays on the
0: Paranormal UK Radio Network. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming.